0: In the prequel to the 10th episode of This Film is Lit, we are reviewing Coco, Pixar's latest animated film, and previewing The Muppet's Christmas Carol. It's the 10th episode, or the prequel to the 10th episode of This Film is Lit, and it's coming up right now. Yes, we went and we saw Coco. I'm not uh, pronouncing that correctly.
1: Pixar's I'm- latest sob fest.
0: Yeah, Pixar's latest uh, tearjerker. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about that first for a while, and then we'll get into our preview of spoiler. The poll <laughs> has been decided. It's still ongoing, but nobody's gonna catch it. The Muppets Christmas Carol. The Muppets. It's because it is the Muppet Christmas. The I think Muppet I think Christmas I think Carol. It's- it's not a. It's not a? I looked at It's the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh. I mean, it's a Christmas Carol. Yeah. But the Muppet one is called the Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay. That's what won. It's yeah, got like twice as many votes as the second place it's one. It's ahead
1: as of all of the other ones by quite a bit.
0: I think it's safe to say that the Muppet Christmas Carol is going to win. It's kind of what I expected would yeah. win. If I'm was. If i being honest, I thought um, Scrooge might get close, but... Not really. Like, I thought yeah. that was the one that was probably going to win. It's
1: definitely the most well-known.
0: Of the ones, of all the of all the uh, Christmas Carol adaptations, it's the most popular. Yeah. At least amongst people currently.
1: Who listen to podcasts. Since it
0: came out, who listen to podcasts. <laughs> and since it came out, like, if we did this podcast, if podcasts were a thing in
1: 1995.
0: Yeah. Or 1993. Like, because uh, the... the Muppet 1 came out in 92, Mm -hmm. so like, if it was right around that time, I think some of the other, like the George C. Scott one probably would have been a little more popular, or Scrooged might have won, because I think Scrooged was the late 80s, but yeah. At this time, Muppet 1 knew it was going to win, and it It did. did. Doubled up everybody else, so that's the one we're doing, and we'll get on to a little preview of that one at the second half, but first, it's time to talk about Coco. Katie, we went and saw Coco in theaters on Tuesday, last Tuesday. What did you think of Pixar's latest offering? I thought it was lovely. It was delightful.
1: It was. It was beautiful. It
0: was gorgeous. First note, beautiful. That was the first (laughs) note I wrote down. I wrote a couple quick notes just so I had something to kind of gather my thoughts. First one, beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous, and uh, most, I mean every every Pixar film yeah, is yeah. to the most for for the most part. But this one really had an expanded kind of like color palette mm-hmm. and uh, the imaginary wor- or the the world of uh, the dead
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, is such a a blank slate to an extent. Like such a go ahead and paint it what you want, do what you want with it yeah. sort of thing, you know what I mean? Where there's no, we don't... Uh, there, there. You know, there's obviously, like, mythological interpretations of, sure, yeah. of it, but in terms of, like, general audiences, we don't have any sort of feelings what that place should look like, the the, the land of the dead or whatever, I don't even know what the right yeah, word uh, for it is. Yeah, uh, so they could pretty much do whatever they want, and they, they did whatever they wanted, and what they wanted was Crazy colorful, crazy awesome, crazy beautiful, and (laughs) epic, and grand. I was really blown away by how... I mean, I knew it was going to be really uh, visually impressive. Mm -hmm. Like I said, pretty much everything Pixar does is. But I was really blown away by just how... Imaginative and and colorful and yeah. interesting.
1: It's so colorful. Yeah,
0: the world was like it. Just I wasn't prepared. Like it, it's like acid trip, <laughs> colorful. Like and I've never done acid, but like the the world, some of the creatures in that world and uh, in the in in the world of the dead. So it's just a vague outline to kind of no spoilers here. But the story, if you haven't seen it, is about Miguel who. Um, as a child uh, in a, a a a very storied Mexican family mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't like music their the family is very opposed to music because way back the great 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 grandfather of the family uh, abandoned his family to chase the the, the dream the dream of, of becoming musician. a famous musician. and so since then all of the family has uh, been very opposed to music. But Miguel uh, has a love for music, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of his secret passion that he hides and, and uh, is the thing he wants to pursue. Uh, and then it kind of culminates to a point where he ends up transporting himself to the land of the dead, because this all takes place on uh,
1: on the Day of the Dead. The Day of
0: the Dead, I was trying to think of the uh, Mexican.
1: Oh, uh, um.
0: Dia de, 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 de los Muertos. Yeah. Takes place on the Day of the Dead, so uh, it, where which is in his, uh, in tradition is the day where the spirits are able to pass through the veil, basically right. to come visit their family. Um, and he ends up passing through the other way and and meeting his ancestors that are dead on the side of the dead people. Um, and so there's that's that's where the a lot most of the story takes place is in the land of the dead on the other mm-hmm. side of the veil or what have you. Yeah, that's, um,
1: it's a bridge. Yeah, it is veil. literally a, a bridge
0: of flowers. Yeah. But, so, he, uh, that's, and that's that's where the universe th- that they created was the universe of the afterlife, kind of, mm-hmm. in this, in the Mexican tradition. And, yeah, they got to the, the play around a lot, and it's really obnoxiously gorgeous, and they did a lot of really cool things, and that was one of the other things and that I don't have any sort of perspective to comment on this necessarily, as fucking gringo that I am. <laughs> but from what I gather, from what I've read from uh, people of Mexican descent and people that are part of that culture, this mm-hmm. is a very um, faithful and respectful at ad- like adaptation, not adaptation, but um, representation mm-hmm. of their mythology. And the culture and that sort of thing, which is really neat. And you can feel that even, like I said, even not knowing really anything about... Oh, that, yeah,
1: definitely. Even
0: not really being a part of that culture. Not not really, not at all being a part of that culture. You can feel like this feels very respectful. This yeah. feels like they, they, this is a bunch of people who know what they're doing. And, and it is. like The people who wrote and produced and worked on it are a lot of Hispanic uh, and Mexican the people that are, are of that culture... Um, and had a lot of input from people that know a lot about that culture and that history, and it's a very good uh, representation of that. It seems like, and, and according to everybody else,
1: and, yeah, it definitely feels like there's a level of authenticity to yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. Like it's it's really neat to see, and it made me. <laughs> it was kind of funny watching it in the theater. I had, I I almost had I don't want to say secondhand embarrassment, but I, I had to wonder because uh, the the town we live in is. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a rather smaller, yeah. uh, midwestern town where it's fairly conservative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, not fairly, mostly That's conservative. conservative. Um, mostly, and not, and not mostly, almost entirely white for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting being in a the theater, and, and I was kind of wondering, like, what are the what you know? Because there was like a, a couple families around us, all white families, with mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just wondering, like. You know, it's interesting uh, seeing this representation of this culture, and not only this culture, but kind of because it, it a lot of Mexican people ha- are ca- are Christian, and this mm-hmm. is like sort of like a, a, a vague offshoot of Christianity to some extent. I think I don't know a lot about it, but like it's kind of like a hodgepodge of Christianity and traditional regional religions and that sort of thing. But I thought it was interesting. I was like, I wonder because there was like little kids there, and I'm like, yeah. I wonder if these parents go home and be like, everything in that movie was bullshit. Because it's, like, a very religious, to an extent, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very, like, it, it portrays... Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they don't, it doesn't talk about religion. Like, they don't ever talk about God or anything no, in no, the movie.
0: No, they don't.
1: But it's very
0: spiritual. But it's the afterlife. Yeah, it's about it's the afterlife. It's the afterlife
1: and it, it embraces that cultural belief of, um... The Day of the Dead. The Day of the is dead when, you know, when, when your, your ancestors, ancestors come back and visit back and that sort of And thing. you have to put their pictures and you, honor, up them and you and that, honor them.
0: Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting because I was like, that's a very um, specific thing to, not not necessarily just to uh, Mexican culture, but uh, it's a very specific thing that, you know, American Christians don't do. Right. And I wondered if, like, you know, because, like, if a kid goes and sees that and be like, mm, maybe that's what, what happens when you die like a little kid yeah. might think that but so do like your, your average run of the mill christian in america be like nah, 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 nah. <laughs> that's that um, I don't know maybe, I was interesting because uh,
1: well maybe i could yeah, i could I don't know. see maybe um you know a family that is very staunchly yeah conservative Christian going home and being like, okay, well, let's talk about what heaven actually
0: is. That's what I was wondering. And I I just had to wonder because I I thought that was an interesting, I don't know, I thought that might be interesting because there was, like I said, there was lots of kids that were probably just based on the odds, a lot of Mm -hmm. Christian kids sitting around in the theater. And I was just wondering, like, you know, when their parents get home and be like, nah. All that stuff about that being the afterlife, that's not actually the case. <laughs> that's not what happens. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. So, but yeah. yeah.
1: See, I was sitting in the theater thinking, like, this tradition, and I, I mean, I don't know, not being of Mexican culture myself, yeah. I don't know, like, how popular right. it is right, right now among younger people.
0: Probably not People. very. I would think you
1: know that kind of thing tends, tends to, to die out. Yeah, yeah, it tends Which to die is a theme out. Or in the it movie. cycles around. Kind of a theme. Yeah, in the movie. kind of. But I was sitting there thinking, like, I wonder if this is going to see like a bump in popularity now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, it these could. Young,
1: from these young kids, and I are we doing spoilers?
0: Not yet. What did you think of the music? I liked it, yeah, no, I did yeah. too. I was just wondering <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like a a backhanded question <laughs> I was just wondering uh you yeah, know I, I liked it quite a lot uh it wasn't and this is the basicness of me you know it didn't have the uh anything that quite hooked like a like a Disney yeah song, yeah, but it it was uh. It was really enjoyable and mm-hmm. uh, and, and entertaining and fun, um, but I don't think there was anything that like.
1: Yeah, well, I'm gonna I mean, go like
0: I gotta hear that song again right There's
1: anyway. a ton of music in it, but it's not a musical.
0: No, it, yeah, which is funny because it's a song. It's a movie about music. Yeah, but it's not a musical in the sense that people don't burst out in the right. song. Right, they're
1: not using the songs to move the plot. Well. Forward, they're not. No,
0: they do, but it's but it's 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 um in the universe. Uh, that that is a word, but that's not the right word. Whenever a song happens in the movie, mm-hmm. it's because it's happening in the universe yeah. of the movie. They don't just burst into song right. like a Disney movie, like and right. sing it's, their yeah, feelings, it's like not
1: like in Beauty and the Beast where she's walking around the village no. and everybody's singing.
0: No, no, and when they sing songs in this, it's like he's in a uh, a music competition yeah. or or. Or there's a movie yes, playing. Somebody's with...
1: performing yeah, or it's on yeah. the radio. Or... Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so uh, what is that word? We talked about it in The Birds. The word Brian is looking for is diegetic. That means the music could be heard by the characters in the film. Non-diegetic or extra-diegetic is things like a typical movie score that just you as a viewer can hear, but the characters could not actually hear within the film. And in that sense, I guess Disney film music is diegetic, but it's slightly different. But no, I thought it was really good. Uh, I liked a couple of the songs quite a bit. Uh, Poco Loco was fun. Mm -hmm. Remember Me is very touching, especially in the context of the film without getting any spoilers. The thing that really hit me, it was one scene in particular and one moment in particular that when it happened and I I was watching it and the way it played out, I was like, yeah, this... This is, this is good. This is real good. <laughs> and it was the scene where Miguel um, first plays guitar mm-hmm. in the attic in front of the TV.
1: Yeah.
0: The way that is animated and the lighting and the way it's shot, for lack of a better word, was so beautiful. And the, and the way he expresses, the way they animated his expressions while he's playing guitar mm-hmm. and, and the close-ups uh, – just everything and the flickering light from the TV, everything about that scene, I was just blown away. And so, like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Like, this...
1: Yeah, it's that, it's real. Yeah. And it's touching.
0: It just blew me away.
1: Pixar doesn't fuck around.
0: No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree.
1: They are not here to play games.
0: Yeah. But that was it. That was the scene where when that happened, I was just like, yeah, okay. This is... This is going to be good. One more thing before we get into spoilers, and I I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to bring it up, because we talked about it a little bit the other night, and I want to kind of get it out on tape and see what people think, or whatever. Mm. Um, I don't know how you felt about this, and I, I, I do now, a little bit, because we've talked about it a little bit off mic, but um, there's a whole running gag in the movie where Hector cross-dresses in order to uh, get into places that he's not supposed to be. Right. Right. That to me, especially the first time, felt a little bl- in a pr- in a not a, pr- in a pr- yeah inappropriate but uh, untimely, uh, blind um, untimely uh, tone deaf tone deaf that's the word not blind tone deaf yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. It felt a little tone deaf and like in the in the current climate, like yeah. maybe that's not the best thing to do is, like, have a guy dress up as a woman so he can sneak into a place. Like, Like, in the context of the film, it it makes sense and and, and I think your counterpoint was probably the Uh, best argument.
1: Right. And you brought that up and I didn't notice it really like I didn't have that same reaction well I got
0: triggered real hard because I'm a snowflake
1: (laughs) because um because he was dressing up as a specific person
0: right and and not
1: just a a woman in general he was dressed up as um Frida Frida Frida, Frida Kahlo yeah um which to me um made me feel like he was dressing up in an attempt to use her fame yeah like her the recognition right and not just oh i'm gonna dress up as a lady and no one will
0: right and and you're right and that's i think the best counter argument to it and that and and makes me um not feel like this way you know not have that same sort of discomfort i had initially Uh but to be fair initially the first time Maybe I missed him saying who he was, but when he does it the first time in the movie, I didn't realize he he was. No,
1: dr- he definitely says it. I'm
0: sure he does. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think I missed it. Like I just, I was, you know, for whatever in the context of the scene, I just didn't notice that he said he was Frida or whatever.
1: Yeah, so the first time he's trying to sneak um, into
0: the land of the living, sneak into the
1: land of the living, and they have it set up. Um, like, like customs at an airport yeah. is kind of the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they scan their faces and make sure that somebody has a picture of them up. Yeah. So he goes through and he's like, oh, it's me, Frida. No need to scan my uh, face.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah, obviously yeah. me. <laughs> Before I even heard him say that i realized mm-hmm. that it was a like a man dressing as a woman mm-hmm. and my brain started like mm. <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> i feel about this um like as a gag in your movie yeah. um so i but yes no that's fair
1: yeah no but I, yeah there are i think um certain social issues right now that make that food for thought.
0: Yeah, it's just something to think about. And like yeah. I said, I think, like you said, it, it, and it's kind of like the thing, and we've talked about this and we've never talked about it on, on Mike, but, uh, and I don't want to get into it because it's a whole other discussion for a whole nother political <laughs> podcast that we are not doing yet, um, which we may one day, uh, about like a cultural appropriation. And we've yeah. t- discussed about the idea that it's one thing for, uh, and, and like you said, since he's dressing up as a very specific historical character, right. uh, or not character, person, in order to try to bypass security because he's famous. Or mm-hmm. she's famous. Yeah. And, and we were talking about a similar thing where it's one thing for uh, a, a, a child or a kid to want to dress up for Halloween as Moana, and mm-hmm. another thing for uh, a, a person to want to dress up for Halloween as a Mexican.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Like, there's a difference there to some extent, that it's a Different, uh, difficult, in- interesting conversation, but there is a difference there when you want to be a character that that I you identify so. with yeah. for like certain reasons that have to do with the fact of like their strength and their that yeah. sort of thing. And you know, like I said, we won't to go off on a whole other topic about cultural appropriation because, oh boy, uh, yeah, that, oh, that's
1: a whole different, it's a podcast. whole
0: other <laughs> bag of worms. But um, I think it's time to get into spoilers for a few minutes because okay, we need cool. to wrap this up. Yeah.
1: Um, so, talking about spoilers... I cried for the
0: last 20 minutes.
1: (laughs) So did I. (laughs) I didn't, but I almost Um, did.
0: I I was, like, almost crying the whole last 20 or 30 minutes.
1: Um, I want to talk about the plot twists Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yes. Because I'm trying to, um... I'm trying to, like, think back and figure out if... So, as an adult viewing it... I figured out the plot twist's well ahead of oh, time. Oh,
0: it's very predictable. Yeah. It's probably the biggest problem as an adult watching the yeah. film is that it's so predictable.
1: But I'm trying to, like, think back and decide, had I been viewing it as a kid, like, at what point would I have picked up on the fact that it was, it turned out, to, it turns out to be Hector. Hector is, is his, his father. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he goes, he goes in. Or sorry, not his father. His, yeah, yeah, great, great, his, great. His like grandfather. four times great grandfather. He goes into um, the land of the dead, thinking that his four times great grandfather is this famous musician. Turns out it's not, and there are there are a couple more uh, plot twists. But the the thing about who his great great grandfather yes. is is the big one. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I'm trying to think back and try to f- try and figure out if I could have seen that coming as a, as a kid.
0: I don't think kids would have seen this coming.
1: You don't think so? I don't
0: think so. I, I don't think, and it could, like, similar to Kubo, we talked about this with Kubo too, because the plot twist in that is pretty similar, because yeah. uh, in Kubo, spoilers, uh, for Kubo, which if you haven't seen Kubo, go watch it, it's fantastic, it's probably maybe even better than this film, okay. is that his parents are the... The bug and the,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: uh, the, the two people that he meets on his journey are yeah. his parents. And that's a pretty predictable twist. It's not really a twist. But um, in this one, the fact that Hector is his father is very predictable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The one that's a little less predictable in this that that kind of makes up for it is that De La Cruz, it's not De La Cruz, whatever the fuck the...
1: The musician. Something like yeah. that. It's something, it's something Cruz like that.
0: killed Hector. Yeah. That I didn't see coming. Yeah. Like, that was kind of a surprise and was interesting. Was that Hector uh, de la Cruz or whatever his name is? Yeah, he he, murdered him. He murdered Hector uh, and took all of his songs so that he could stay famous, which I thought that was interesting and I didn't really see that coming and I thought that was a fun twist um, because I actually expected that guy to be evil the whole time, Mm -hmm. but he played, they did he played so good yeah. when he first meets him and he yeah. plays so sincere yeah. and, like, nice when Miguel first meets him and it's like, hey, you're my dad and he's like, oh my god, that's amazing and he's, like, very nice to him and very sweet to Miguel and he, um, he's gonna send him back to the... Mm-hmm the land of the living and he's he's like this is incredible you're a talented musician and you should follow your dreams and like he's like very supportive and amazing and it's like you know and you're like okay well I don't know where this is going but then it turns out he's a fucking um he's awful awful uh power hungry yeah not power hungry he, but well, fame he, hungry he
1: values his fame and his yeah. reputation more above than anything, anything else. above all
0: yeah but yeah so that was interesting but yeah the twist but I don't think kids would see it coming The twist of uh, Hector being the father—I don't think. I think Mm. younger kids would no idea. You have
1: to ask a kid.
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, So uh, one of the uh, review shows I watch on YouTube—it's these two guys. uh, It's called Schmozno or something like that. It's two guys, um, and they were talking about this movie, and one of them said specifically that he had no idea. He did not. And he's a grown man. He's like (laughs) forty, and he. I completely had no idea, was had no idea that, huh. that Hector was going to be the father until, like, the moment where they specifically said that Hector was Miguel's... Or not father. I keep saying father. Know, because just, it makes okay. more sense. Like, narratively, <laughs> it feels like he should be his father. Maybe I'm just, like, applying, like, Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I am your father. <laughs> but, um... His great 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 grandfather or whatever, but yeah, he had no idea and didn't see it coming at all. And but yeah, to me and like yeah. you like I said, it's very obvious. But that doesn't take away from it. No, even I though don't you think know that that's what's coming, it still still works. It's real good. It's um a beautiful sincere love letter to a culture, to music, to family. Mm. It's it's amazing. Like it's just really good. I I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, go see it. Go
0: see it. It's worth your money.
1: Um, we actually put a pin in something earlier. Oh, the pin! I forgot about the pin. Pull it out. So what I was thinking during the movie spoilers. Um, so there's this idea that one, you have to put the your ancestors' picture out. Yes. For them to be able to cross over, cross the bridge, yeah. And two, if nobody remembers Remembers you, you, yeah. If nobody who's alive remembers you You and is, like, honoring your memory, you, like, you, like, disintegrate into nothing and blow away. You
0: basically die again for good.
1: Yeah. So I'm sitting in the theater thinking there's going to be a bunch of little kids who freak out and are like, no, we have to put out grandma and grandpa's pictures. That's
0: kind of what I'm talking about in the sense of, like, because it's so... Cause like
1: I, I, I feel like I would have yeah, as a kid. Like, that's what I mean. We have to put out the picture.
0: I felt that I'm a giant <laughs> fucking atheist, not like the most rational. Like I don't believe in any of this shit, and I'm like, I need to find a picture of my grandfather. <laughs> like, I, like like it is so emotionally manipulative, and I don't mean that derogatorily, or yeah, or, yeah derog- derogatively, but it is so emotionally manipulative. Like in 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 its um amazing craft as a film that like yeah it makes you feel yeah. that and it's like all these kids have to be feeling that yeah i feel like well and it was funny because the family we were sitting next to a family that was like a mom and a dad and like three kids mm-hmm. it was like a baby like a, a teenage girl like a, tw- a tween girl and then like a seven or eight year old yeah. boy or something like that and it was funny because after the movie ended I heard them mention that the, 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 the like, 12 year 13-year-old girl, they were, like, talking about how she was, like, crying the whole end of the movie. And I'm like, yeah you have to deal with that now. The fact that this movie emotionally affected her the way it did, you're going to have to deal with the fact that she's, like, going to, like, worship De De, De Los Muertos now. Like, that feels like you're going to have to, that's a whole thing for you now. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, but that that's why I'm I'm going to be interested to see if if that um, holiday tradition festival
0: sees any revival see, yeah, or that, any, yeah. any kind of resurgence. Like,
1: resurgence or a bump in popularity. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Be interesting. That was Coco. We talked about it forever. Far we too long. We always do. Let's get on. Try to bust through some fun facts about a Christmas Carol slash. The Muppets' Christmas Carol. Start with the book. Katie, what you got?
1: Um, So I I do have some fun facts because Dickens was kind of an interesting guy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, He started writing Christmas Carol in October of 1843 and he obsessed over it so much that it was finished published and in the shops ready to be sold by Christmas of the same year. Wow. That is incredible. I mean it's it's short, it's a novella.
0: It's short and it's a very I don't want to say simple story because that under that that's with uh, 150 years of yeah. history but um yeah. it is a very when you read it, you're like, yeah, I get this. Like, this makes a lot of <laughs> sense. The fact that somebody wrote this story makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, looking at your past, your current, your future, to reflect on the fact that you're a shitty person, <laughs> and grow from that. It's like a very, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense of yeah. the story. Like, it doesn't, it's not like this weird, out-of-the-box, like, universe that needed a lot of crafting. Mm-hmm. You know? So I get that. Yeah. Makes
1: sense. I mean, like, when I think about how long I've agonized over... A short story, like oh, okay, all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you're not Charles Dickens.
1: True. (laughs) Very few people were. No, mainly just one. (laughs) So, um, it it was a huge success commercially and critically. Basically, everyone loved it. Yeah. Um, big success. Uh, Dickens was also one of the first famous authors to give public readings of his work. Huh. And A Christmas Carol was the first reading he ever gave and i say he read them but like based on descriptions that we have and stuff that we um still have from that it was be more accurate to say that he performed them ah. um he had like a special version of a christmas carol um that he turned into a prompt copy that had like stage directions ah. and like like bits of pieces of longer description like cut yeah. out of it so he could just give give people the action yeah
0: We'll um, give it to him.
1: Yeah, uh, he did do two reading tours in America.
0: Really, give him the Dickens. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Um, two tours in America. Two
1: reading tours in America. The second one in 1867 earned him what today would be over a billion a million dollars.
0: Wait, a billion? No, a million. million.
1: Okay. Uh, so he was basically a rock star. Yeah. Super famous.
0: Well, I mean, he's a he. Yeah, he was 1840s. He's probably like I'm trying to. There's probably a few other like. Is he the biggest biggest author of his time? Well, who else was going on? Then? It's
1: funny you should mention that. Okay. Um, because my next fun fact is that Mark Twain. Oh. Went to one of his readings. Was old Marky Mark running around? <laughs> yeah. during That time. Um, over here in America. Yeah. Um, and Twain. Not super impressed. He described Dickens writing, um, specifically *A Christmas Carol*. Uh, there is no heart, no feeling. It is nothing but glittering frostwork, which is a writerly way of saying you basic. I was about
0: to say, <laughs> I literally almost cut you off and said, "Bitch, you basic." <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, not impressed. I mean,
0: Mark Twain seems like the kind of cunt who's not impressed by, like, anybody. That's true. And I I say cunt in the most loving, like, Australian way possible (laughs) in that regard, but, like, he seems like the kind of guy who's like, yeah, nah, I don't fucking, fuck Like, I feel like if if Mark Twain, like, met Shakespeare, he'd be like, okay, calm down. (laughs) You need to chill out with all your fucking bullshit. Like, we get it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the kind of person Mark Twain was. Like, he just seemed like that kind of guy. No matter how talented anybody <laughs> was, he was, like, gonna try to bring him down a peg. Yeah, and, like, yeah.
1: No, that's fair.
0: I don't know. I could be wrong, but it just kind of seems like his personality. Yeah.
1: Um, another thing I found that I thought was funny was the menu of what Dickens ate on reading days when he gave performances. And I say eight, but it would be more accurate to say drank.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he was an artist um, after all.
1: He started the day with two tablespoons of rum mixed with cream. <sighs> that was his breakfast. Um, a pint, a pint of champagne for tea, and then half an hour before he went on stage, he would knock back a sherry with a raw egg beaten into it. <laughs> And then during the intervals of his readings, he would sip something called beef
0: tea, which sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds like the worst thing ever. And then it, That's gravy. He's <laughs> drinking gravy. Let, calm down. Beef tea is gravy. I, uh, I know a little bit about cooking. I'm going to do a little uh, culinary uh,
1: it's, detective It's gravy, work here. but it doesn't have a thickener in it. Yeah, it's just
0: it's beef, it's beef stock, beef. It's
1: beef, yeah, it's beef it's stock. stock. It's beef stock. So he would drink beef stock, uh, and then before bed he would have a bowl of soup. So he was basically a little drunk the whole day. Which, I mean, I've I've done performances. I get it. I get it.
0: How old did Charles Dickens live to be?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, he lived to be fifty-eight.
0: Okay, so not very old. Never mind. <laughs>
1: not super old although for the, for time, the time not terrible I'm sure that was yeah not terrible. not
0: terrible okay i was just, just wondering <laughs> like, I like feel like that's how you live your life i'm just like i, I feel like we're just like it's a crapshoot. shoot like you just yeah. do whatever you want it's yeah, like you're going to live much. as long as you live like there's nothing <laughs> just, to it
1: I really like a pint of champagne
0: a pint a of pint champagne a pint of
1: champagne at tea time and i don't yeah. <sighs> starting the day with Rum and cream. I can't. Oh, God. Um, yeah, what else? Um, got? In 2013, the New York Public Library held a public reading of A Christmas Carol. It kind of uh, revived the tradition. And it might be something they're still doing. I'm not sure I couldn't hmm. find that. But um, they used Dickens' prompt copy, the one that he used. Um, When he gave performances. And guess who played the part of Charles Dickens and gave the reading?
0: Patrick Stewart.
1: No. Damn it! It's one of my favorite authors. Neil Gaiman. It was Neil Gaiman. (laughs) (laughs) He wore a hat and a fake beard.
0: Oh, good for him. And
1: played the role of Charles Dickens. Good
0: for him. That (laughs) sounds fun.
1: So, my last things, um, I want to clear up two kind of popular myths about Charles Dickens. um, Things that fly around that aren't really true. One popular myth is that he was paid by the word.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's
1: why his writing is so verbose. Yeah. Because it is. Yeah. Um, But in reality, that's just the way he wrote. Yeah. He published his books in installments, serials, um, over periods of weeks or months, which was a fairly common thing to do at that time period, um, Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women, did it the same way. Yeah. So, but, but it was actually pretty smart, though, because it created a huge demand, for one thing, because um, people had to know how the story ended. Yeah. And he didn't have to wait for a book to be completed in order to get paid. He got paid every time he did an installment. Mm-hmm. And obviously trained him on how to write quickly. There you go.
0: So I think that should be a new uh segment on on our maybe in our prequel episodes is this film is lit mythbusters. <laughs> that would be fun. That like would be busting fun. myths about Yeah.
1: About authors. About authors or movies, movies or whatever. Stuff. Yeah, that'd that be, be interesting.
0: Fun. Whenever we have it, I think that yeah. would be
1: interesting. So the other myth Because Mythbusters is amazing. <laughs> is actually um a current very current one right now, which is that Dickens is often credited as the man who invented Christmas.
0: Yeah, yeah. which well, is a movie, movie <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, which I wanted to see, but I don't think it's coming to our theater because we live now. in the middle of nowhere. We awesome. got one theater. So yeah. <laughs> So the idea of that came from an article that was published by an early Dickens scholar named F.G. Kitten. Kiton Not really sure how to pronounce his name. How's this spelled? K-I-T-T-O-N. Catan. Catan. Um, But again, it isn't really accurate. It's just really easy to get that idea by looking at the general history of Christmas. Right. So if we rewind all the way back to the Middle Ages, um, Christmas was this huge communal festival. And the local nobility hosted, like, feasts and games, et cetera, et cetera. Huge deal. Um, All the different classes celebrated it together. Yeah. By the 19th century, um, Christmas was still being celebrated, but it had kind of fallen out of fashion with the upper classes. Um, It was mostly, like, the lower classes that were celebrating it still, and it wasn't, like, this big communal feast thing anymore. And A Christmas Carol made the holiday popular and fashionable again with the upper classes. So he didn't really invent Christmas. He just kind of uh, made Christmas great again, if you will.
0: <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> my notes up. Alright, I got a bunch of stuff. Because, like we said, the Muppet Christmas Carol won the poll quite handily. Uh, I believe at last check it had 11 votes and the second place had a 5. Yeah. I think Scrooged might have been second with 5. I
1: think um, Scrooged and the George C. And Scott, George were, C. Scott tied were tied for second place. With five.
0: Uh, mine made a slight resurgence because <laughs> uh, the Patrick Stewart version had only one vote which My own yoke. vote, yeah. <laughs> and then in the last several days surged up to three votes. So I appreciate you, whoever you were, who were like. We appreciate
1: boom. everyone who voted. Yes, everybody Angels who voted, voting. we
0: appreciate it. And it's too bad we couldn't do all of them, but it would yeah. it would take way too long. Oh
1: God! But um, you know the kind of a cool thing since there are so many versions of it, we could do another version. Another Christmas. Yeah, we or, yeah to, or, yeah, or, yeah, you or, know, like,
0: Christmas in July, we'll do yeah. another one, or whatever, yeah, we we can, we'll, we'll revisit it yeah, we again at some point. we
1: go back and hit some of those. Um, maybe not the Jim Carrey one, since I think no. that got literally I think nothing. no votes. Yeah. The Jim Carrey one got no, no votes. love for the Jim Carrey version.
0: Yeah, so, not that one, but, <laughs> you know, the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, bringing it down a notch, Jim Henson died in 1990. Uh, in the pre-production or the very earliest stages of pre-production for this film Mm. which this film came out in 1992 where this film kind of came from basically was that a talent agent approached Brian Henson the son of Jim Henson uh, with the idea to do the adaptation Mm. and he said to him or this is the quote that is recorded is that he said Christmas Carol is the greatest story of all time you should do that (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, God. And so
0: Brian Henson was like, all right. And it was originally pitched as a uh, TV movie.
1: Oh, that makes sense. It was originally going to be a
0: TV movie. And then Disney, once they got people working on it and started getting a look at it, decided, no, nah, we're going to release this in theaters. So it was written by, uh, and I say this, this is the understatement of the century, longtime Muppet writer. Jerry Jewell, he's literally written, like, every Muppet mm-hmm. movie. He's, if you go to his Wikipedia page or his IMDb page and click on his written by credits,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's, like, 30 Muppet movies and, like, four <laughs> other films. <laughs> like, this dude has written every Muppet movie from, like, 1972 to, like, 1995. Yeah. Like, he wrote everything the Muppets did in that in that time frame. Uh, he So he was chosen to write the script, and he decided to insert Charles Dickens as the stand-in narrator.
1: A brilliant move.
0: Yes. Uh, in order to remain faithful, faithful to the original prose of mm-hmm. the book, of the novel. No,
1: and I think that's kind of extra cool, like, knowing that he considered it kind of a performance piece.
0: Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So, speaking of inserting Charles Dickens as the narrator. Mm. Gonzo was chosen. <laughs> Hold on, my notes closed.
1: That's one of my favorite things about that movie. Gonzo That's was crazy.
0: chosen because and here's the reason according to the, what I've read. Gonzo was chosen because he was the least likely choice to play <laughs> Charles Dickens. Like he was like they're like all right, who should we get to play Charles Dickens? They're probably like all right, uh Kermit, uh, yeah uh, sure. Uh you know, and they went through a list of, you know, of a half dozen Muppets and they're like, yeah, yeah, any of those. And then they were like, Gonzo, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. All right, it's him. <laughs> and then they, they added uh, Rizzo the rat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was added to inject uh, humor to the script and basically play as a Greek chorus
1: mm. in the film. Yeah, he does function as a Greek chorus. He basically functions
0: as a Greek chorus. Interesting. And it was kind of like their little... uh, Probably like... And this is kind of spoilers for the next episode. That's one of my things. Like, hey, was the rat... Was there a Greek chorus? (laughs) Because there wasn't. Was that in the book? No, it wasn't. Oh, so this is fun. Uh, Initially, uh, the uh, ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future Mm -hmm. were going to be played by... uh, Famous Muppets, like by hmm. Muppet characters, mm-hmm. established Muppet characters, um, like Gonzo, Miss Piggy, Animal.
1: That would have been interesting.
0: They scrapped it, though, because they decided we should do new Muppets, new characters, because it will add more to the ominous nature of the story. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if fucking the Ghost of Christmas Future comes up and it's <laughs> Miss Piggy, like yeah. it's going to be like... Ridiculous, Yeah. So we need to, like, make... So
1: we need to make a terrifying Grim Reaper... Yes. ...Muppet thing.
0: Yeah, so they decided they needed, like, a more ominous, like, scary mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, instead of, like, just using the Muppets we all know and love. Yeah. And, like, okay, sure, the Ghost of Christmas I thought that future.
1: was a good choice.
0: No, it was a very oh, yeah. good choice, I think. Uh, four, like, four or five actors were considered for Scrooge mm-hmm. before they finally landed on... Sir Michael Caine. I believe he's knighted. Uh, one of the... I, I I didn't recognize, honestly, like four of the names. They were like British actors. Mm-hmm. And I, I like clicked through them and I'm like, I, you were probably in Doctor Who in like the 70s. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't... <laughs> I don't know who you are. Um, the one name that I did know that was considered but wasn't chosen was uh, George Carlin. Was considered really? for Scrooge, which would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, But they ended up going with with Michael Caine and he agreed on this condition. And this is one of the best conditions and it actually works really well. And it's really good of him and like a very solid uh, choice. Mm -hmm. This is what he said. And I quote, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a really makes uh, yeah. a lot like it's perfect that's for really Scrooge like it's choice. a really good choice like it sounds kind of like curmudgeonly and like yeah. meh, but like that's a really yeah. smart choice to do like that's exactly how Scrooge should play that yeah, role no when you're the human character in this movie, and you're Scrooge. You should play it like you're fucking...
1: Yeah, no, it let the Muppets yeah, be silly. Yeah, let the
0: Muppets be Muppets. Yeah. You be the fucking Royal Shakespeare Company, yeah. like,
1: no, <laughs> dramatic. It, it, it if, I think if he hadn't done it like that, it would have ended up, like, kind of twee and silly. and. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it wouldn't be what it is It wouldn't is have now. the gravitas no, it that wouldn't. it has,
0: like, at all. Like, it, it, it doing it that way provides all of the oomph to the movie. And if he hadn't done that, yeah. No, so that was, like I said, it, it's a funny quote, but it's actually exactly how he yeah. should have done it. And it was a very smart choice. So during the filming, in order to allow for the Muppets and the humans to be in the same shot... Mm-hmm. Uh, They had to remove the floor so that the Muppet actors could Mm -hmm. stick their hands up and blah, blah, blah. So Michael Caine had to walk. They had to put down, like, planks and boards, and he had to, like, walk on boards through the sets.
1: That sounds awesome. So that the
0: Muppets could still do their (laughs) thing, but he could also walk through the set, which sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And then in uh, the buildings in in London, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were constructed by hand by who uh, the the prop people that worked on the film, um, and they constructed a lot of them like smaller mm-hmm. than they should be in order f- to make the streets look larger for hmm. shooting. And there's a particular shot, and this is a thing if you're not watched, haven't watched the film yet. If you're gonna watch it, you know, in the coming week before we talk about it, one of the final shots of the film. There's a crane shot that pulls up on the street
1: mm-hmm.
0: while they're all out in the street or something like that. And apparently you can tell that the the buildings are, like, very small. <laughs> <laughs> but they left it in because they liked the shot so much and how it worked mm-hmm. that they were like, nobody will notice. Like, Interesting. so be on the
1: lookout for that. Yeah,
0: I I, 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 I well, almost didn't include that note, but I thought it was a fun thing to, like, if you're going to watch it, yeah. look out for that because I, I want to look out for that and see... It's towards the end of the film. It's like a crane shot that pulls up and reveals like the whole street and that sort of thing. And final thing. So despite modest box office success, because it didn't actually make that much money mm-hmm. in uh, in theaters, but it did all right. It, did, yeah, it made some money back. The reason it didn't have a huge box office success was because it was competing against. You got any guesses? So, um, what, 1992,
1: 1992. 1992,
0: Christmas season. Christmas season.
1: 1992.
0: I would assume, like, you know, November, December, in that ballpark.
1: Aladdin?
0: Boom! Number one, with nice. a bullet. <laughs> what else? One other thing that also stole a lot of the money. Um, and this is a Christmas film. It, 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 it takes place during... It's, it's a Christmas film, I'll say.
1: Oh, oh, um... Well, I was gonna say, Home Alone. Yes, Home Alone Two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it it, it competed but, with Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, and Aladdin, and so that huh. was.
1: I guess I didn't realize that the original Home Alone came out
0: like nineteen ninety earlier, like ni- ni- huh. eighty nine or ninety. Yeah, I think. Interesting. Um, so yeah, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, came out in ninety two, and Aladdin came out in ninety two hmm. in that same couple weeks that this came out so it did alright in theaters but if it hadn't been competing with (laughs) literally one of Disney's best films and literally one of the most successful um sequels to one of the most successful (laughs) like Christmas movies of all time it it probably would have done a little better but but it 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 gained a lot of success at least from what I understand um in uh DVD releases and yeah or VHS releases and and post Theater it has made a lot of money and yeah. become a very much beloved film
1: it's, after
0: theaters. It's
1: my favorite Christmas movie, like, period. Yeah. Um, when I was in grade school, I went to a little private school, K through um, eight, and our music teacher would show it in class every year at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, so, like, to me, it doesn't even feel like Christmas if I don't get to watch The Muppet Christmas Carol. No,
0: it's really good. I like it quite a bit uh it's funny because i don't think i i only started i only saw it for the first time i i i mean maybe i saw it when i was a kid but like i only vividly remember seeing it for the first time like four or five years ago Mm -hmm. and really enjoying it and being like oh it's really good like and really liking the music and the the main song yeah yeah Uh, that song um (laughs) I mean, it's not my favorite Christmas movie. I have a couple other ones. I'm I'm a big Christmas Story fan, but yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's 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 up there in my top five or six like Christmas movies. It's it's really enjoyable, and I'm excited to watch it again. It will be our first time watching it, I think.
1: I don't. Yeah, we haven't ever watched it it together. No, I think I watched it with my sister.
0: Yeah, so it'll be our first time watching it, which will be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, so yes, that's the Muppet Christmas Carol. Go ahead, tuck in to some uh,
1: Figgy Pudding. Figgy
0: Pudding and uh, a roast goose. A roast goose, maybe a little uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot.
1: Or a pint of champagne.
0: Or a pint of champagne, if you're going the Dickens (laughs) route. Um, And watch yourself The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's probably on TV like every other day for the next month. (laughs) If I had to guess, I don't know. And we'll be back in a week with our full review and discussion of The Muppet Christmas Carol comparing it to the original Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol. So until then guys, keep, and gals and non-binary folk keep watching movies, keep reading books keep being awesome Bye bye Actually, that's a fun discussion, and we'll cut all this out, probably. But, I actually think of all... So, we should definitely switch to the metric system. Oh,
1: definitely. But... I can count by tens.
0: Yes, we should definitely do it. But, uh, because Imperial's stupid. But, um... And makes no sense, and it's just, like, random nonsense. But Murica. Yeah, but Murica. Um, but... I think, for... Personally, I think, um... For, like, weather, mm-hmm. the temperature mm-hmm. should stay Fahrenheit. Because while Celsius is a degree of 10, blah, 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 0 to 100, 0 yeah. is freezing, 100 is boiling, Fahrenheit. Uh, is a much more reasonable scale for people in terms of like it's a much more intuitive scale
1: like hearing a number and understanding and understanding what, what it's like that outside to, yes i agree
0: because celsius celsius is the temperature outside is between like in like here where we live in a, in the in the range of a year it would go from like -5 degrees celsius to like what 18 19 degrees celsius Mm -hmm. which is so small you have to do like oh it's 17.2 degrees celsius out today it's very warm or it's it's 15.4 degrees celsius it's pretty cool like yeah the fahrenheit scale makes a lot more sense for people and the way in where we're comfortable in like Mm -hmm. and how we experience temperature in the world the fahrenheit scale makes a lot more sense in my opinion I agree. Yeah, that's the only one. Like, everything else can change. Just And, and, and for, like, fucking science and cooking and everything yeah. else, uh, Celsius probably makes more sense. Or Kelvin or whatever. Not Kelvin. Kelvin for chemistry. <laughs> but, like, Celsius for cooking or whatever, sure. But for, like, weather temperatures, Fahrenheit probably makes the most sense in my opinion. Anyways, our heat shut off, so we're going to get back into it. <laughs>